Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is Peter Mamoni, along with my brothers John Bradford and Jim Hahn. The Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and backpack, grab your compass and map, and let's get rolling. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, lover of mankind, fill us with the love your Spirit gives. May we live in a manner worthy of our calling. Make us witnesses of your truth to all men. And help us to work to bring all believers together in the unity of faith and fellowship of peace. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. 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 Son, Holy Spirit, amen. All right, gentlemen, habit number six. I'm excited about this one. Synergize. Mm. This is uh, this is a an interesting habit to look at, and it's actually if we sit back and kind of take a look uh, a broader view, we see that this habit is kind of a culmination of all the previous five habits, all kind of mixed together. Um, but first, I wanted to kind of get your guys' take on what does it even mean? What is the you hear this word synergy or synergize? What does that mean to you, or how would you explain that to, to somebody in your own words, Pete? What do you think? Um, if I had to explain synergy to someone, we'll go with my kids. I would explain it as working together for something better than anybody could imagine. Something that if I was explaining it to them, I would say Jesus's idea, not ours. And we have to figure out what that is. That would be my take. What about you, John? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking you know, the natural thing in my mind is the idea of teamwork somehow that this principle of synergy exists within teams and uh you know there's some good teams and there's not so, not so good teams right and what is it that separates a, a really great team from a mediocre team would be this this thing we're talking about tonight called synergy you know so you know what is it how do we define it how do we get it you know how do we how do we how do we mm -hmm. get hold of it? Yeah, I was thinking about it too on my on my way home from from work this afternoon, and I just thought of, you know, all of the maybe hundreds and maybe thousands of parts in my car, they're all <laughs> working together <laughs> to make sure I do get home. I mean, that's that's synergy right there. You know, that's all these things have to do their exact job at the right time and right place, and anything gets out of whack, I'm still on the side of 33, calling you guys saying, hey. When you're done with the show, can you give me a ride? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. It's it's when everything everything's clicking, all the things are working together, and, and we'll talk more about that about how that's not just everyone's thinking the same, but using the strengths and the creativity and and all of that stuff from each individual person, but to make a, a one larger thing, like Pete said, you know, it all it's it all works together and makes something maybe a lot of us didn't even have in mind or imagine that that was going to be the answer to the, to the problem. Yeah. I think uh, part of it, 
and I'll, I'll go back to this uh, sports analogy again and, and forgive me folks out there. If you don't like sports analogies, that's one of the things when I'm in mass and the, uh, the, the priest defaults to the sports analogy homily. Sometimes I groan, right? But here it comes. But I'm thinking <laughs> back about the time when I was uh, growing up, uh, I'm, you know, say I was in my late twenties. Yeah. In my late twenties, I'd say like in 1978 or something, there was a couple guys that were coming onto the scene of college basketball that were just phenoms. And, uh, one of them's name was Larry Bird, and the other one was Magic Johnson. And uh, these guys just, I mean, they were great, great players, and they elevated everybody else's game. But one of the things that both those men had that just was remarkable, it was almost magical to see, was this ability to pass and to pass to the open man. And when you'd watch these guys play, it's like they intuitively knew somebody was behind them or coming up beside them without actually looking. And it was like, how did they do that? Right. I mean, it's one thing to look at somebody you're going to pass the ball to, you see them coming, but these guys would be moving down the court, getting the whole, everything flowing in a different direction. And all of a sudden they flip a pass to somebody that was coming up behind them that you would swear they didn't even know they were there. It was like a perfect play. And it was just that. So that was kind of that in, on an athletic level that, beauty of synergy where a team of of people come together and they really know they, they they're working on an intuitive level you might say i think and that's fun to watch it whether is. it's sports or work or anything when the, everybody's working together and it's smooth man that's fun to watch it's it's a joy really to see that yeah, it's crazy to be a part of, too. Could you imagine being past the ball, not even making eye contact with the guy, just being ready? <laughs> be yeah, amazing. it was. That's, it's funny you say that. I, I, you know, when back in the, I lived in Oakland, California for a while, and uh, we were renovating an old Victorian house down in the hood, man. It's like we were the, you know, a, a group of, uh, you know, 20 something white guys that were fixing up this house down in the hood. And we all loved to play basketball. Right. And there was five of us and, uh, and there was a neighborhood basketball court and we kind of owned it. And, but it, but it's because of our teamwork, right. If there's a guy named Artie leader who played and I used to be, you know, I was the guard type, I was setting picks, moving fast, moving without the ball I can't, there was just like so many times I'd set a pick for him and he would, and then I would pick and roll off of his pick and head for the basket. And in somewhere like right over my head, here'd come the pass he was hitting me with, right? It's remarkable. It's just like, wow, there it was. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's really cool to be in that, that situation where we were working together and having a lot of fun. What are some yeah, other Covey, situations? Uh, yeah, Covey says that synergy requires personal maturity, stability, and substance. So, James, what do you, what what can you derive from that statement that he makes? Yeah, when I think about that statement, you know, maturity. Um, First off, that that really just goes back to the other habits, you know, like to be able to 
um, be proactive, pushing pause, you know, mature enough to, to have control of yourself and know who you are and, and where you're going and, and what you're all about. I mean, that's a big, to me, that's a big part of that, uh, part of that statement. So maturity, I mean, stability, uh, it kind of goes along with that, I guess, in my mind that, you know, you have, you have a stable outlook on your paradigms, you know, correct, or you're constantly working towards it being, being correct. Um, and then finally, you know, so maturity, stability, and, and substance. And I think we all kind of have a different idea of this, but a lot of that I think is experience. I, I would replace that substance with experiences. Like there's things that I can draw on to bring in to, to play, um, in that, you know, working towards that synergy. What do you think, Pete? I think that, uh, Covey means that we have to be practicing. Basically, all of that encompasses the first five habits that we need to be practicing for this habit to be able to be possible. So, like, we have to be mature in that we have to be proactive, begin with the end in mind, but first things first and think win win and, you know, seek first to understand, to set a foundation for synergy to even be possible um, in an environment. But then also that we have to uh, make the decision really to be seeking out these synergistic opportunities, which is difficult to uh, it's, it's difficult to, you know, seek out, but then to stay on target with when you start seeking it out, when you hit the first road bump and the second one and the third one and the fourth right. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, well, it's, it's kind of like, hadn't thought about that, but that's that those habits are kind of like the maturity continuum. Right. Mm, I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Uh, uh, but if we look at our continuum there, which some folks aren't seeing this right now, but again, that, that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, one picture of Covey's where it shows us starting at the bottom and working our way up. That sort of represents those ideas, I think, right? Personal maturity, stability, and substance. And, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the movement from um, dependence to interdependence. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, and and I and I think the substance part of it too, like right before we were ready to start, you know, with time was ticking away, we were going to hit the button, start to broadcast, and Peter says, "Let's say a prayer together." And to me, that represents sort of that substance, right? The substance is like the rock that we're sitting on, that 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 foundation we're sitting on. And Peter's like, "Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to that foundation of." where we're where we're coming from in this whole man cast so that was really a i think that was a good indication of of the substance again yeah when you said uh substance like the the rock or the base it made me think of you know just wilderness outreach expeditions are like i don't know they're windows of synergy i, I mean the whole week and including individual parts of that. I mean, one of the first things we do 
when we get out there into the wilderness is build an altar. And it's just amazing to me to watch how these guys, all different backgrounds, all different personalities, you know, all different situations in life work together uh, in unison to, to create this beautiful place of worship that's going to be there for the week that we're going to use. And so you have the guys who have these minds that are engineering, who are worried about the, the base and the stability of, of the altar. And you have the other guys who have this creative um, side to them who want to make it not only, you know, solid, but beautiful, you know, adding different rocks and different colors to it. You, there's just so many different personalities and how everybody clicks together and makes makes those altars just turn out incredible. We've talked before about the, the altar we did in, in northern New Mexico, which was just, it was a piece of art. I mean, I can't really say anything else about it. I mean, that's, it might be me just being extra proud of this, but this, it was enormous and it was it was beautiful. And we all worked together so well to, to create this thing that was what, like four foot by four foot by eight foot long and just for one mass. I mean, that's all it was used for was for one mass. Yeah, there, there's a good picture of it with all of us who had built this this beautiful creation up on top of this mountain just for one uh, beautiful mass. And, it's, and, and the Wilderness Outreach Expeditions are all like that, whether it's building altars, working. Uh, we're not all compromising or looking at win-win or lose-lose or anything like that. We're all looking at something bigger than ourselves and creating something better than we could ever imagine individually, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great story about that particular altar. Uh, and again, for those folks that are listening to this and, and aren't watching this live, uh, there's this beautiful altar that we built up uh, in the uh, northern New Mexico, up on, up on a ridge. It was about 10,000 feet above sea level, looking towards the northeast at the uh, Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and uh, we, we had built and cleared about a mile of trail. That was the end of the week there, and uh, we came out on this ridge that was probably several hundred yards away from where the trail was, so it was kind of a secluded location, and Father Han looked at that area and said, I think we should celebrate Mass here in the morning. And so there's a good, so, and I, and it's like, okay, let's build an altar, right? So it was like, immediately there was just like, a, yeah, everybody was in, right? And uh, which was a pretty cool thing because it ended up, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. And we got up there in the morning and the sun wow. was coming up above the Sangre de Cristos and there was Father Han and Father Wilson facing ad orientum to the east at the rising sun. And, uh, yeah, so it's uh, definitely a, a story of, uh, of uh, synergy there, right? The men coming together, building just a, an amazing altar and a, a uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Truly, truly was beautiful. And, uh, you know, and uh, so we're since we're on the subject of uh, whoops, let's do it like this. Here we go on the subjects of altars. 
on the subject of altars and uh, uh, sanctuaries, uh, anything to say about this one, Peter? Does it bring back any memories? Yeah, a lot of good ones, man. So I would encourage everybody that's just listening to this to head over to YouTube and check out the uh, these altars and these photos John's sharing from these previous expeditions. They're all pretty great examples of synergy and people coming together and working for a, a greater cause that uh, other people that that neither party was able to see the uh, the beginning of it. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I got to take care of my daughter real quick. <laughs> what other uh, examples can you think of, John, of, of synergy within a, an expedition? Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, we, you got me thinking about that. And uh, it's you're right. There's a there's a quality of the synergy that uh, where you know just just from the point of view that like when you have a team of men and we're going to go into the wilderness and we're going to build and clear trails for the United States Forest Service and it's going to be like a ten day trek. Uh, the days are filled with worship, work, asceticism, leadership, and and brotherhood and it's just uh yeah it's a packed full uh week of uh, work and the men are already preparing themselves ahead of time right there's some men that like they'll they'll plug into a wilderness outreach like a couple months before and a lot of guys are like this is scary i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can manage this uh this whole experience. Right. And so, so a lot of guys are like, I got to get in shape. So they start working out. So they're already training their mind to kind of like come together. Cause one of the things that men will say, which is interesting is I don't want to be the, the weakest guy on the team. Right. And that's, that motivates right. men. And, you know, that's just sort of the way we roll. Right. So guys are like getting in shape and they're getting, they're getting ready for this whole experience. And, uh, so, for instance, uh, one of the things that happens in that, so the, the worship, so we could just, the, the synergy of the worship is that we're up at 5 o'clock to 5.30 every morning, and then we're getting up, preparing uh, breakfast together. So even working in the kitchen, there's a whole synergy there of guys, different guys taking responsibility for fixing whatever the food is, and, and it it fluctuates through the week about who's responsible for what and but it, it all pulls together and guys are just like right there in the kitchen to help out even though they're not assigned to something those guys are going to going to get water filtering water getting firewood you know it's just kind of this flow everybody's like locked into of this experience together but on the trail work itself and i'll just kind of like let's go back to the uh that one in Wyoming last year into the encampment river wilderness, like we, how many trees do you recall that we cut and removed off the trail? Peter, do you have a, I think roughly like 220, about 220 trees. Yeah. It was a good amount. A fair amount of trees were removed. Yeah. And what, what kind of tools did we use? It was all hand tools, cross-cut saws, and then we did some, we got to do a little bit of rock work, too. Is that yeah. where you're going next? Yeah, I was just thinking about the whole process of cutting trees, though. Like, Yeah, just that, uh, 
the whole process if you've never seen that happen before you have to work with someone whether you know them or not and you have to find a rhythm in in that especially if you haven't done it before like you want to make the wrong move that always seems like the right move to help the team but it's wrong <laughs> and <laughs> until <laughs> until you figure out that uh you have to you have to seek first to understand then it's not going to work so it's all a pulling game, right? And you have to pull in a certain manner so you don't smash the other guy's hands and you have to <laughs> not push or it'll jam the saw and get you kink in the neck. And <laughs> it's a it's a fun time. But uh find once you find that rhythm, it becomes synergistic in a way without a doubt. Um you start sawing through trees like no tomorrow. It, it, you saw a lot faster than you would think, uh, especially with hand tools. I mean like you know i'm 27 i'm coming from chainsaws and you know power tools and stuff <laughs> we're going out there you know with these all hand tools and it's like are we going to get that much stuff done is it, or is, are we just going to you know break our backs and learn how to work together and it's like no it's both it's a both and thing for sure yeah so like on that particular project we did last year it was pretty, it's pretty neat once the guys, cause most of the guys have never done this. I mean, there's a, there's a core wilderness outreach guys that go on every expedition, but there's always at least half the men have never done it before. And uh, so there's a learning curve. And then usually by the second or third day, it's like, it's pretty neat. Cause you'll start the, you'll start the day out with the saws. And there's usually like three men on a team with a saw and some other tools and you're moving down the and, and you come to a tree and the three men will take that tree and they'll start cutting it and other guys are coming up they'll jump over that tree and head for the next one and the next team and it'll just keep and we'll start leapfrogging and then in that whole process of leapfrogging and cutting all these trees off the trail those teams will start to morph into each other again right the next thing you know the two guys you started out with you might with be with two completely different guys who are with two completely different guys. So as the day goes on, these men kind of morph into new teams and in a very natural and good way. And then just, so there's that synergy again. And, and there's a lot of enjoyment and fun and all that. Cause it's, so every, every time you cut a tree, it's like a trying to figure out how to solve a problem. How do we cut this particular tree? the best way and everybody's kind of got an idea about it and you take the best idea and you run with it and you get the job done and you move to the next. So it's a, it's really a, a great, uh, a great lot of fun for sure. Yeah. It's very similar too with the rock work. You know, I, I remember our, the last trip I was on was, was the father son trip. We had a bunch of the men working on the really big rocks. You had some of the younger guys, boys, you know, just, basically making gravel by hand and, you know, crushing things up and just everybody works together to get the job done. It's just, it's something amazing to see, especially when you look back or you hike back out that trail and you look at your work and it's like, wow, we, we did all this, you know, we made this happen. So it's amazing. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. The rock and, and again, then the rock work, what's so cool about that. It's a completely different type of work. And uh, so the, 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 the expedition Peter was on last year, we had a little 
bit, bit of both that we had a most of it was cutting trees and then but there was a trail reroute that we had to do which was a lot of fun but this particular picture here is a is a uh, is a big rock fill wall job that we did on the john muir trail pacific crest trail in 2015 and what you see there is about half of this so everything those men are standing on there with all those rocks our team of men built that entire thing in 2000 wow and two and 2007 and here's a look at it from the end where you can see the, the expanse of the whole thing wow and it all wow. been it had yeah. all been washed out by heavy rains and floods and it had to be rebuilt and what was really neat about that project and that's over the mono creek uh, Mono Creek that comes out of the John Muir Wilderness. What's so cool about that particular project is that uh, when we got there, our Forest Service guides, uh, a guy named Mike Ketcher, uh, told us, in all seriousness, we're not going to get this job done. There's too much work to do. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Well, and, 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 and he said that in a very sincere way. He wasn't like, you know, a lot of guys could say, well, I'm going to tell him that and really push right, him, right? right. Well, he didn't have to say much more than that because we had a group of young men that were tough, athletic, and competitive, right, and knew how to work. And we basically had that. We had five days to do that, and we got it done in four. Hmm. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was amazing. It was just amazing. Lot amazing job and uh, so coming coming out of the john muir wilderness what's so remarkable about this uh i was on that bridge this this was the in the 2008 crew where we camped up above that bridge so this particular crew didn't build that that same rock structure but this was the crew from the the following year up higher in the in the uh John Muir Wilderness working on rock work. And so when we came back out, we got our picture taken on the, uh, this particular bridge, that, bridge uh, approach that we built the year before. And I walked out on that bridge. So it, was, it had been 14 years since I'd been out there. And Father Howe was standing on that bridge waiting for me. He had he knew it was down there. So he walked off the trail and went down to this bridge. And when I walked down that bridge and he greeted me walking across that bridge this past summer and tears started coming to my eyes. Hmm. And it was just, it was overwhelming because all of a sudden I realized, wow, we did all this work and, and it was just like, yeah, it was really choking me up, you know, but it was a beautiful thing because the whole, the synergy of it, that, that teamwork, everything that was moving and, happening with that with that group of men to get that accomplished was just a, it was just a superb experience yeah i love that too because when you go out on those expeditions you're beginning with the end in mind and the end is mm. not that that trail is going to last till next year or the next year you know you're you're moving two 300 pound rocks in the hope that the snow and the rain and stuff doesn't move it for 20 years. You know, you're, you're beginning with that end in mind that it's going to last. And you're, that just shows that it does <laughs> that your work stands, you know, that's a, a great tribute. 
Yeah, yeah, I can. I have this really great memory of you and Tony Knox moving some big rocks up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, I believe that was on the John Muir Trail as well. It was. That was yeah. yeah, that was in Selden. It was south of there at the Selden Pass area on mm-hmm. the Pacific Crest Trail. And we were, we'd done a, quite a bit of rock work there. And I can remember you and Tony had this big slice of granite that you had peeled off of this other big piece of granite where you were bringing it down to the trail to dig a trench and put a big rock water bar in, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that thing was huge, <laughs> and I would not doubt that it's still there today. Because I mean, that thing, oh, no doubt, know, no doubt, yeah. And you learn that, real uh, quick when you're doing that that it built it to last, you know, because <laughs> you don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. And I think yeah. that's another thing that comes out of synergy is like uh, Covey talks about in this chapter a lot is people remember these experiences for the rest of their lives. Like when you are in a truly synergistic environment and situation, like it's something that's memorable and that a lot of times people seek to recreate throughout their entire lives with other people once they experience it. And it is difficult, but it's something to be sought after once you uh, come in contact with it for sure. Yeah. Amen. So in uh, being a leadership type men as we are thinking about leadership, do you see do you see this idea of synergy in other leaderships, works of leadership as you think about it? Hmm. I'll let you tackle this one, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, immediately I, I I think of, of course, you guys know me. I'm going to think of the negative uh, view of it. <laughs> also, the uh, I, I, I just when I think of synergy and leadership, I think of leaders who who appreciate synergy are the ones who also appreciate creativity and aren't micromanaging. They they know that the people that they're leading, they trust them enough to let them be creative and find that that right path, that, that right way, the, you know, the third option, I guess, is how Covey says it. But mm-hmm. I think in leadership, that's, that's one thing is that that's a strength is to be able to identify um, the people who can do the job, but also allowing them to do it without micromanaging every little single thing they do. And I think that helps create synergy among the team. Mm. Yeah. So that leads me into uh I was in adoration today and I was just uh, sitting there with the father and I was thinking like uh, about plans for my life and stuff and for, uh, you know, just everything in general. And it was, you know, it always came up in my life like, well, my plans have always been horrible. So forget about them. You know, it's just your plan, Jesus. And today it was interesting because it was like the father was talking to me. He was like, it's not just my plan it's your plan and my plan put together and that's that's the plan that he wants for all of our lives and i mean that's the first time that ever hit me in my life today and i 
it it was uh it blew my mind but i think that that is the work um of leadership that uh i find the concept of synergy in for sure now at this point i mean just thinking about it in in the grand scheme of things it's like i have to put my effort in and my desire and ask the lord okay where are you leading me in this you know and look for the the third option as it was mm-hmm. yeah and, and and having our minds open to uh how and when and from whom the lord speaks to us about that that's kind of crazy in a sense right like if you ask for the an, an answer to a question or you ask say you might say lord please help me to be more humble that's, that's a dangerous. dangerous. That's a dangerous one. <laughs> you don't say that. Like, okay, you want some right. practice, huh? <laughs> right. But Last but it is list. interesting where uh, where that comes from. So a, a, good, a really good friend of ours, uh, Dan Boyden, told a story this morning on uh, on our prayer group meeting, which I think this is just this is a good example of say the type of synergy that God weaves into our lives, right? So Dan's at a gas station up in Columbus and he walks in and there's this nurse dressed in the nurse outfit and everything. And she's at the countertop and she says, I need a pair of jumper cables, my, or no, I'm sorry. I'm back up. She's out in the parking lot asking people if they have a pair of jumper cables. And she goes to Dan and Dan knows he doesn't have his cause he somehow he, he had, loaned them out to somebody else and so he says no i don't have a and so she's out looking for jumper cables and she can't find any so she runs into this place you know whatever it is uh and uh to the to the up to the counter and she sees there's jumper cables on the on the wall so she says i want those jumper cables so she gets them down and then she goes to pay for them and realizes she doesn't have her billfold or her purse with so she says, I, I keep those here. So she runs out. Well, while she's running out to get that, coming back in, this other woman who's next in line buys what she's buying. And she said, go ahead and put that lady's jumper cables on my account. I'll buy them hmm. for her. Huh. Isn't that remarkable? Nice. Had no idea yeah. who she was. And then she leaves. That, that woman leaves and takes off. And then Dan's watching this whole thing, right? Well, the woman comes back in and says, okay, uh, here, how much is it? And, the, and, the, guy, and the, the cashier said, well, the woman who just left here paid for him. So you don't have to pay anything. <laughs> and so she turns around and she's stunned, right? So Dan says, but you need somebody to help jump you now, don't you? So I'll help you. So he goes out there and, and like he pulls up with a truck and they, he takes, you know, helps take care of business. And, uh, and then Dan goes up to him in the way that only Dan knows how to. And he looks at her and says, wasn't that truly remarkable? I mean, just, and he says she had tears rolling down her eyes, right? And he says, yeah. how about giving me a big hug? You know, so she gives, <laughs> he gives her a big hug and she's like sobbing on her, on her, you know, so it's like, they're, you know, they're so, but that's pretty remarkable stuff, right? You know, you mean, you might say that's almost right. like a miracle type stuff, but it's, it's the way that people 
if our hearts are in the right place, you know, and our minds are in the right place that we can, we can run with the Lord's synergy that he's setting us up for, right? What a, what a beautiful story and thing to experience. Yeah. I've run into situations like that where I've been able, I've been blessed enough to be able to listen to the Lord and be like, okay, I'm going to help this person and see the result of that. And it's beautiful every time. And then, you know, that just, there have definitely been times that I have also not done that. And it's just, you know, I can count the times like there's the gym coming out in me. I I can see all the times I didn't do it very clearly and readily. You know, there's yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that you know, I I hate to even tell you this story, but I went to I went to confession a few years ago, and it's like you know, I, I really contrite, went and did a really good confession, and the priest says to me, "Well, for your penance." I want you to find somebody that needs some help and then help them. And I'm, and I'm like, come on, dude. How about a whole, you know, how about three Hail Marys? Glory, glory be. And, and I'm like, all right, get your, get your mind right. Right. Yeah. So I'm coming home and I see this guy walking down the street in the other direction with all these bags of groceries and the Lord saying there, there it is, John turn and help that guy get to wherever he's going. And I, and I didn't do it. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't do it. And everything in me said, John, that's really being stupid. You know, you're really missing this opportunity here. Yeah. I've and, done that. Uh, so, yeah, I knew. So, but you know, it's like, hopefully I've made up for it before, but uh, you know, I think probably a week later I was back in the confessional, right? Because I didn't. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I you didn't remember that, that penance off. you gave me? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't working with the Lord in that that synergistic way there. So yeah. Yeah, I find that to be a common sin that I'm confessing regularly. But I mean, hey, that's the beauty of the confessional, right? I mean, it's over and over again until we get it right, and then it's the next thing. It's like, of course. <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah. nonstop, man. It's beautiful. So, yeah, it's. Hmm. You guys gave me an idea for a new a new show or a new podcast we could do. It'd be a synergy with strangers. You know, just uh, <laughs> we could make a TV show about like our that. experiences, with, you know, especially with Dan Boyden because he he does that kind of stuff all the time. Wait, he could, he yeah. could, we could probably roll with like a you know three or four hours, you know, with all the stories. Right. He's got. So <laughs> it'd be good. It'd be all real and true. And, yeah. yeah, it was earlier this this year in uh, late January. I was coming home and it was like ten degrees outside, and hmm. I was just about just about home. Uh, on 33, right before the 93 exit, uh, or right before the 664 exit, I looked across the road and on the northbound side, there was this older gentleman was not dressed for the weather at all. It was 10 degrees and you know, it just kind of reminded me of my dad, you know, so I'm like, mm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back around and help this guy. So I got off the exit and went right back up the road and, you know, he wanted to, stay there and wait for somebody. And I'm like, man, it's too cold. He's like, well, let me call someone. I'm like, well, why don't you get in the car at least and sit here and get one? Cause he was just like shaking. He was so cold. Mm. And I'm like, where do you live? I'll just take you home. So I just drove him on up the road. It wasn't a mile or two from where he had broken down. And uh, so I took him right home and 
later on that night, I got this text message from this guy and he's like, Hey, this is so-and-so you picked up my dad this evening. I just want to thank you for, for doing that. Cause I don't know when we would have gotten to him or, you know, what would have happened. And it's like, I'm like, you know, I, that's not a problem. I mean, he just reminded me of my dad and I would want this, somebody to do the mm. same thing, you know, for him. And, uh, so it just felt, felt good to do that, you know, just, uh, but it was one of those things where you're like, yeah, God's telling you to turn around and help this dude, you know, <laughs> don't ignore me or you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Synergy with strangers. I like it. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. So you have to be living in a, I think in a deep connection with the Lord for, to be able to hear those things, you know what I mean? Or yeah, cause I've been, I think we've all been in those situations in life where we're not in deep connection with the Lord. And it's like, we see those things that hit us mm. differently when we are in deep connection with the Lord. Like mm. you see a homeless dude chilling and you're like in a state of mortal sin or something. You're like, what's up, dude, get out of my way. You're slowing me down. I got important things to do. Right. Right. Like, I know you, you I'm you trying to get hungry. to heaven here and you're, you're, you're blocking right. my path. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Or like the dude that's sitting beside the now hiring sign with a sign that says like, please help homeless. It's like, you know, right. <laughs> but anyway, I'm judging hard. <laughs> yeah. You see mm. it a lot differently when you're in that deep, like, like, I don't know, like when you leave mass or adoration and you're just in that, like you're very close with the father, you know? Mm. Yeah, like you see those things so much differently. It's wild. I admire that. You know what I mean? Those times. Yeah. It makes me want to be able to see things like that all the time. Mm. To be, And I guess that's what the goal of everything we're doing here is, is just to be getting closer to that constant like state of grace, you know, become saints. Yeah. Like you say, yeah. often being, you know, self-gift to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting as we're talking about this. This is kind of we're 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 tracking pretty close to the whole parable of the the, the good Samaritan, right? Yeah, I mean, and and mm -hmm. how the good Samaritan's really working with the Lord and that synergistic way that the Lord wants us to. And there was a time that I was in a, a, a couple guys I was with. We were we were the the guys that needed the good Samaritan mm. and it was, goes back to like 1977 and I was living in this house in Oakland, California that we were fixing up the same house where we had the big basketball team. And, uh, we bought an old 1954, three of us bought an old 1954 Dodge panel truck. One of us was a mechanic and we fixed it up. It was around Thanksgiving of, 1977 i believe actually no i'd have to take that back a couple of years to like 1975 but anyway we just after we fixed this car up and we none of us were working at the time because we were all kind of entrepreneurs doing our own thing we decide one of the guys says hey let's take it for a joy ride and some other somebody else says where do you okay yeah let's drive it across the country and back <laughs> And I think I said, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and so, so in a, in a day or two, we loaded up the gear, stuck it. We had, you know, we had all the right gear and everything. And we took the Southern route 4066 
across the United States that we drove south in California from Oakland, jumped on 4666 across the Tehachapi Pass and and hit into wintertime, big time winter. And uh, it got down to like 10 below zero one night. We pulled, we were in New Mexico, near Gallup, New Mexico. And we, uh, the night before we had stopped at a restaurant to have some food and it was like a Navajo owned restaurant. And we walked in and I felt really out of place. So here's like three white guys walking into a Navajo owned restaurant, right? And I felt like, I almost felt like we were trespassing. And having lived in Oakland, California, I had been in several soul food restaurants and felt a lot more warm and fuzzy there than I did in that Navajo <laughs> restaurant that night. So I just kind of thought like, man, I feel like we're trespassing. And it kind of dawned on me at the time, you know, the, the short shrift that our native american brothers and sisters got right and how radical that was compared to you know some things that a whole country ripped away from them it started me thinking about that so anyway next we moved on after that dinner and and it was getting late and we're near gallup new mexico there's a little small town near outside of gallup and we pulled off of the road and this out off the highway or the side road and decided we're going to camp for the night went down to 10 degrees that night we got up in the morning and found out we had a flat tire and unlike my brother peter here who would have been completely uh geared up and had a a fifth tire for a yeah pair, we did not <laughs> And uh, we didn't have a lot of money either because this was like, you know, wham, bam, we're running to the other coast and come back. So we we took the what we did. We we tried to we said, well, let's get the tire off. So we had like a 10 ton hydraulic jack and we had to we tried to jack it up. It was so cold that it wasn't working. Right. So we actually took our Coleman stove out and tried to heat up the jack and it still wasn't working. <laughs> so we walked into town at this little town and there was two gas stations caddy corner for one another and on and and one of them was a navajo owned gas station and the other one was a white guy owned gas station so of course after the the experience the evening before we walk over into the white guy's gas station and went in and said hey we got a flat tire and need some help can give us a hand here and it's like that was a day when you could get a tire plug for like two dollars and fifty cents right and the white guy that ran that station kind of looks at us with a snot-nosed look and says yeah for 250 bucks we'll help you and i was wow like, that's probably more than we had right and i looked right. back i walked back and it's like we walked outside we looked across the street at the navajo station and walked over there and when we walked in this this uh elder navajo let's say the guy that ran the gas station said is there anything i can help you boys with we said yeah we got a car it's outside of town we got a flat we don't have a spare we're looking for some help can you help us out? And he says, yeah, I'll help you out. And I said, how much will it cost? And he said, we'll talk about that later. Come and jump in my truck. Hmm. So we drive outside of town 
he helps us take the tire off and he throws it in the back of his truck and says, I'll be back in a few minutes. So he leaves, comes back, tires completely blown up. I mean, it's patched. Everything's good. He helps us put the tire back on. And I said, how much do we owe you? And he said, I'll tell you what, you guys just put your stuff together. And when you're done and ready, come on back into the town and we'll settle up. Huh. And you see what's going on there? Yeah. Wow. Young, stupid guys thinking we don't have much money, man. This is like a freebie, right? Right. It's like, no way, man. It's like the Lord saying, no, you get your, you right. pack up and head back <laughs> into town. Right. And so we go back into town and for all that, the guy charges us like five bucks. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I can't say I would have done the same in your shoes, John, at that stage in my life. If I was right. hiking across the country, I would have, would have been gone. <laughs> Without a shadow of doubt. <laughs> I respect that. That's awesome. Well, yeah. but that's yeah. crazy. You know what I mean? Like, especially with how you presented that with like this guy that as you know, his people had everything taken from them, you know what I mean? And then helping a couple of white boys, you yeah. know, stranded yeah. out in the, in the cold. Right. And, and here, here we are. There's the Lord's grace coming to us from the least expected source in a sense yeah. for us at that point in time. Right. So that was, uh, yeah, such a beautiful story. It's funny. I wonder it's if kinda... he was surprised too. <laughs> Why am I doing all that? We came back in. Yeah. That you guys showed up. Like he gave you that option. And I well, wonder sure if he, he, he was like, wow, it was a test. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of like he was he was like a good father, right? I mean, he was like yeah. the prodigal he was like the 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 father and the prodigal son. He's given the he's given his his young men, his his young other sons a chance to show what they got what they're made of, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's great. God bless him. Kind of thinking along those lines, what's uh do you have any special verses or biblical verses or psalms or anything that you mm. think about when you think about synergy i kind of think about the time when uh when they were fishing all night and jesus was like throw your net out <laughs> and it was like he's like come on man it's like i'm real tired and stuff all right but, uh <laughs> you know just kind of like just that openness um being open to what the possibility is like you know from an unexpecting like whatever i guess we're shallow and stuff but i guess whatever could happen you know and they they gave god the chance to to just show him what he's made of you know what i mean it's crazy but not any specific verses really come to my mind what about you jim yeah, I mean, when I think about this in, in terms of the faith, it, it, there's so much, really. I mean, just, you know, Covey talks about, you know, the sum is greater than the, the, the parts. And I just think, first of all, the Trinity, you know, just how much greater, mm. you know, here's God, just this this infinite synergy that's going on between the Father and the Son and the, the Father and the Holy Spirit and, you know, just the whole Trinity thing and just you know living as to me living a synergistic life is trying to live a life of grace where we're constantly you know in that communication and 
with with the Lord, you know, like mm-hmm. like Pete was just saying, you know, just constantly trying to to know and to to learn and to love His will. It's mm-hmm. that's that's really synergy in our in our faith. And I also think of like um, I always try to tie it to a sacrament. I think of this this time I kind of thought of like holy orders because it's it's you know it's God and the people. It's it's a, it's more than the parts, right? It's it's God is giving us this gift of you know priesthood and religious life, and He gives us that gift, and we give Him back, you know, our life and just how it all connects together. There's just a lot of synergy between God and His people through the priest, you know. Absolutely, I think it ties into marriage as well. You know what I mean? Cove mm-hmm. uses that example, like oh yeah. Yeah, one plus one is three, right? Right, mm. or four, or five, or ten, or mm-hmm. yeah, or like seventy <laughs> in your case, Jim. <laughs> How many kids do you have now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of no, like the uh, <laughs> Matthew eighteen twenty. I think it's like when two or more are gathered, that's where. I'll be with you, right? So that the work of the Holy Spirit. So when two or three mm-hmm. people come together who are, who are mature and they're people of substance, right? And that the Holy Spirit can work within them and do something greater, right? That's kind of that. So Matthew eighteen twenty really comes to mind with that of how that that can really happen. The Holy Spirit can get in there and work. And once again, two becomes three or more and three becomes even greater, right? And that synergy really starts to take hold and become a reality in our life. Uh, one of the, one of the things that uh, Covey talks about uh, in his book, he kind of uh, here, here in like, so early, late, 1980s he's already got his finger on the pulse of uh let's call it the tragedy of wokeism right this idea that everybody's supposed to be absolutely the same and same outcomes everybody and you know if uh he he had this uh thing he talks about the parable of the rabbit the squirrel the eagle and the duck and uh so they they were the rabbit squirrel and eagle and duck uh had uh they were part of a team and the, the 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 things that the team was supposed to be working on together was one would be running with speed one would be climbing well one would know how to swim really well and one would know how to fly really well and uh but uh the the people that were coaching that team were saying well the duck doesn't know how to run very well so we're not going to have him we're not going to have him do swimming, which he's really good at. We're going to force him to do the running, right? And kind of did that with each one of these creatures. So he, even though each one was really good and their, their, their optimum team would have been where each one was really taking off and working on what they were really good with, right? But the, the coach of the team really wanted to say, no, I want you to get better at something else that they actually weren't good at. And we sort of live in a culture like that today that we, we mm. devalue natural ability and t- 
try to sideline people for having gifts. Yeah, it really made me think That's about uh, young boys in school, how we're all like the education system is trying to make everybody fit into this perfect box of like, instead of looking at the individual and seeing what their talent and what their gifts are saying, no, you need to sit at this desk and you need to learn these things and forget about everything else that you're good at or not good at. This is what you need to be good at. Mm-hmm. And it's right. kind of, yeah, kind of, it's exactly what that parable is about. Like the duck with the webbed feet was a great swimmer, but he had to practice running more. So his webbed feet didn't stay webbed for very long. Yeah. You know? right. right. So we were, and not only were we trying to force them to do something that wasn't natural to them, it was destroying what was, what was good and natural for them, which was a real shame. So we destroyed their chance to be, synergistic yeah took it away i think that that's like relating to the culture right now too and mm. in the with the just the volume of everybody that uh has a a very direct agenda that's not good and true and wholesome and just it's just uh you know bad right Without saying too too much, it's a controversy. You are very PC tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so so well. this, I I think probably coming towards the end of this, we can kind of wrap this up with the idea of the uh, tying it again to say First Corinthians twelve twelve, where Paul talks about the one body and the many parts, right? And he's he's pretty clear throughout. Uh, the the letters that he wrote about how we're each different, right? And he talks he even talks in terms of body, like an eye is not a hand, and a, a nose is not a foot, and a foot needs to be a foot, and a leg needs to be a leg, and so that and we're all like that. So we human beings are all we're made in God's image, but completely unique and different from one another, with special talents that the Lord needs to. Uh, that he needs us to step up into and get busy with it, right? So that's that one, the one body and the many parts, and then get busy with our synergy and working with our brothers and sisters. So what's happening here in the near future, James? This looks like there's a bunch of stuff coming up here. Um, as you mentioned last week, you got the uh, Josephinum four miler. That is this Saturday, um, and we can post that link again to sign up. I don't know if there's a cutoff. There probably is because I think you have to pick yeah, up. Yeah, I think it's actually. Uh, I think is it tonight it's, maybe. It's, yeah, they, I think they've already sold out. Okay, well that's yeah. good. But I, good you know, here's here's my my opinion of that. Show up anyway and walk right. Right. You know, hand over a donation to uh, to uh, the rector when you go by him as you're hiking or running around. So, yeah. Yeah. He'll let you walk. You do that. I'm sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so you also have the we'll have more details on the website and, and future episodes. But just keep in mind the Advent hike um, that'll be coming up here in, in Advent. Uh, you also have the uh, the Newman Center at the 
Ohio State University. Um, that's going to be Saturday, October 29th. Um, just uh, you're not going to be playing cornhole. What is it you're going to be playing again? You're going Rock to be doing hole. there. Rock hole. Yeah. That's what. It's yeah, we only play manly games, so yeah, we're bringing the right. wilderness outreach St. Joseph workshop manhood team to the heart of the Ohio State University to the Newman Center. And we're setting up shop on that Saturday, and we're going to be fixing brats and making rosaries and playing games and smoking some cars, I imagine, and and having some good uh, father and son time with all of our other sons that are up there. So it's going to be a great day, great day. So is this kind of like a Catholic men's tailgate before the Penn State game? or I think that this- sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> I think that sounds about right. It is in so, Penn State this year. It's at College Station, so uh, yeah. Okay. So sounds like fun. Should be a, a good sure a does good time. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, be scheduling a work weekend at St. Martin de Porres Retreat House uh, here in the Hocking Hills. So it's a great retreat place. I would suggest that you Google it. It's very affordable to go take your families. Um, stay in the beautiful Hawking Hills, go hiking at Old Man's Cave and Cedar Falls, Ash Cave, all those places. But just Google St. Martin de Porres Retreat House. Uh, but we'll be doing some work for them out there. So that, that should be a good time. Work together, kind of do a super mini uh, expedition there at the Retreat House and build some things for them. And then, as always, ask you to like, follow, subscribe, share wherever you're watching, whether it's YouTube. Facebook, LinkedIn, or if you're listening on Spotify, podcast, whatever, but share with your friends. We would appreciate that greatly. Helps us reach more men. Okay. Awesome. Next I week. I forget which, which, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Next oh, week, I'm gonna let, we I'm going to let Pete talk about this. What's next oh, week's okay. topic? Oh, okay, yes. Right. <laughs> next, next week, Peter, what we got? <laughs> We get to start talking about my favorite habit, sharpen the saw. He's waited so long for this habit. <laughs> Six episodes, <laughs> seven episodes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. sharpen the saw next week, our final <laughs> habit in this uh, series of podcasts, and we'll be moving on to some other awesome stuff. Awesome. And J- James, would you care to lead us out in prayer tonight? I will do that, Um, but before I do, just a reminder, tomorrow is October 7th, Ah. which is the Feast of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary, so invite everybody to pray the rosary. John, you want to give a short synopsis of that feast? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, what a great one. Uh, So, the Battle of Lepanto, if you haven't heard of that. Uh, check out the Battle of Lepanto, and uh, it ties in with Our Lady of the Rosary. And uh, so back in, let's say, around 1575, when the Ottoman Empire was trying to take over Western civilization, and they were going to come across the Mediterranean to um, uh, via ship, they had a huge armada. They were leaving Constantinople, so it's basically the Ottoman Empire, all the soldiers of the Ottoman Empire were going to come and basically take Rome and take 
the Western Europe and uh, yeah. a group of men led by uh, a young man by who's only 24 years old, whose name was John of Austria, led a smaller armada of Christian ships up against them. And during that time, uh, Paul the uh, V, St. Paul V, who I believe was a Dominican, was the Pope, and he was the one that organized this group of men called the Holy League to go to fight against and stop the Ottoman Empire from invading Europe. Uh, he started praying, and he had all of Europe, all of, all of Catholic Europe, praying the rosary for the success of this battle. And right at the time that the battle was won, so it was an amazing battle, and it's a great story to read about. Uh, but uh, the uh, the Christian fleets overwhelmingly beat the Ottoman, the much larger Ottoman fleet. And right at the time, the Pope was in a uh, in some kind of council with a lot of people, and he said, "Stop." And he walked outside. And when he came back in, he said, "We've just won the war." Of course. That was way before the days of the internet, uh, <laughs> telegraph, telephone, right. sa satellites or anything. So once again, the Lord spoke to him. And it was days later that he finally, probably weeks later, that he finally did hear that, no, indeed, the Holy League had defeated the, uh, had defeated the Ottoman Empire and that Battle of Lepanto uh, that was really interceded by Our Lady through the Holy Rosary. So thank you for bringing that up, James. Yep. So tomorrow, make sure you keep that in mind. So today is the Feast of St. Bruno, so I'm going to pray from the Magnificat, uh, that prayer. So in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, who called St. Bruno to serve you in solitude, grant through his intercession that amid the changes of this world, we may constantly look to you alone through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit amen thank you have a great night